Hello and welcome to another episode of The Messed Up Gardener. My name is Esther Aiken and I'm your host for today and I'm absolutely buzzed to be here. As I mentioned in the previous podcast, I have been watering my veggie gardens and my planter pots fairly consistently over the last couple of weeks. A strange thing is we are technically in the middle of winter. I can't remember a winter that I've had to water my gardens before, not for a very long time. Normally we have endless summers, but I guess after the last year of nearly seven months of rain, our side of the world is a little bit rained out. I'm not really complaining because it's actually a pleasure being able to work outside and get my daughter to school without being completely soaking wet. But it did inspire me to see what kind of drought proofing I could do in my garden. So I sat down and wrote out a whole list of methodologies I use to beat the drought in my own garden. Originally I thought it was only going to be a few things and it would be a great topic for my quicker messy episodes but when I really started to deep dive I realized that there are more than a couple of tips and would take a little bit longer than a few minutes to talk about hence a full podcast episode. Now yes I know some of the hot tips I'll be sharing are potentially things I've talked about before but they are important and deserve repeating. We all know that maintaining a garden can be a rewarding experience but it can be challenging when there's a drought and you almost feel like you're working doubly as hard just to get some produce out of your garden and if there's a drought the harvested produce just it doesn't taste as fresh or as crisp as what they would normally do if the weather behaved itself so here are a number of things you can do to keep your garden from drying out during a drought the first is to water efficiently and this can be achieved by watering your garden early in the morning or late in the evening to reduce evaporation. It is also incredibly important to not water the vegetation itself. By that I mean only water around the base of the plant and don't get the leaves wet. The reason for this is if the leaves get wet and the sun hits them, it can burn them. However, if you water around the base, the leaves of the plants lower vegetative, you know, the, the lower vegetation of the canopy itself will stop the evaporation to a degree as well. And in areas where there is a water ban, so where there isn't a water ban, and you can use a soaker hose or a dripper irrigation system to water the roots and avoid you know, wasting water. Often large orchards use this particular method, especially if there's a drought and they have their own water supply. So getting efficient with your watering can be the difference between achieving a crop or not. Now, the second one is one of my favorites, and that is to, if you're a long-time listener, you know exactly what I'm going to say, and that is to mulch. Mulching in your garden will help retain moisture in the soil. It does reduce evaporation and keep the soil nice and cool. Use organic mulch like wood chips, grass cuttings, or leaves. Now, remember, using you know your lawn clippings as a mulch for the garden can have some potential drawbacks as well. So, while it's convenient and cost-effective, you know. A, very much a cost-effective way to recycle lawn waste, there are a few things you need to consider. And firstly, lawn clippings can mat down and form a dense layer that prevents air and water from penetrating the soil. This can create a barrier and limit exchange of nutrients between the soil and the plants. Additionally, 
If the lawn clippings are not fully dried out before being applied as mulch, they can become slimy and start to smell, which can obviously attract unwanted pests. Another potential issue with using lawn clippings as a mulch is the risk of introducing weed seeds into your garden. If the grass was allowed to grow and then grow to seed before it was cut, the clippings could contain viable seeds that will sprout and grow in your garden. Also, if the lawn has been treated with pesticides or herbicides, those chemicals can be transferred to your garden soil through the mulch as well, potentially harming your plants and the environment. And finally, if you place the lawn clippings too close to the trunks of the plants and the clippings start to decay, it can cause the trunk to overheat as the lawn clippings produce heat when composting down, effectively boiling the plant sap as it goes past where the lawn clippings are situated. Also, as the lawn clippings decompose, the microorganisms can effectively also start decomposing the trunk of whatever plant you have the lawn clippings placed against. Overall, why using lawn clippings as a mulch can be a convenient, eco-friendly option, it's important to be aware of these potential drawbacks and obviously take steps to mitigate any negative effects. I use lawn clippings where I can. I do love being able to put back into the garden what I've taken out of the garden. So I'm always recycling. But yes, I've had, I've left my lawn go to seed before and then I've mowed and used the clippings. So I have been punished with weed seeds in my garden before. It's not much fun, but lesson learned and I've been a lot more cautious since but I like to also decompose and compost down my lawn clippings before I use them in my garden so whatever works for you always you know try and give it a try and see what works you never know it might just be the answer to your drought problems just using simple lawn clippings all right now that I've highlighted the risks again don't be scared to use the clippings, especially in a drought situation. You never know. You might have a super lawn that still grows really well in horrible droughts. It happens. The next hot tip is to choose drought-resistant plants for your garden. A good time to do that is when you're in the planning phase of creating your gardens and also something to consider if you are replacing vegetation that has died. You can do this by selecting plants that are adapted to dry conditions and require less water. Some examples include succulents, cacti, lavender and yarrow, although not everyone you know, wants to have cactuses in the garden. There are some lovely aloe species that look amazing and are relatively kid-friendly, so don't dismiss them. Um, out of hand, especially if you've got young'uns, just have a have a bit of a nosy and talk to your locals um, garden centres to see what they recommend. There's always some amazing advice out there for plants, especially that are suited to your environment. This leads obviously into the next hot tip, and that is to group plants by water needs. This does require a little bit of research, but generally by grouping plants with similar water requirements together, it will help you avoid overwatering some plants and underwatering others. It can save you mega dollars by not having to replace plants once they've died. The next hot tip is to use water retaining crystals. Just be sure that you read the label instructions when it comes to the quantities of adding water retaining crystals to the soil to help retain its moisture. The water retaining crystals, also known as hydrogel crystals, are a popular gardening aid that absorb and store water. The, basically, they release water slowly over time. I have constructed three pros and cons to using these crystals in your soil. So these pros and cons may help you decide to use them or not as they are not for everyone and can be an expensive purchase. 
First, let's look at the pros. Okay, so hydrogel crystals can help soil retain water for longer periods, which can be especially useful during drying spells. Or if you live in a dry climate, hence the improved water retention. Because hydrogel crystals release water slowly over time, they can reduce the frequency with which you need to water your plants. This can save time and conserve water. The last pro is the potential for increased plant growth by providing a steady source of moisture. The hydrogel crystals can help plants grow stronger and healthier, especially during hot or dry weather. Now, Let's have a look at the cons. The first con is there is a potential risk for overwatering if you use too many hydrogel crystals or do not mix them evenly throughout your soil. They can lead to overwatering and root rot. It's important, as I mentioned earlier, to use the correct amount and follow the instructions carefully. The next con is slightly counterintuitive, and that is the risk of dehydration. If your hydrogel crystals dry out, then they can actually steal moisture from your plants and cause them to become dehydrated. This is especially true if you leave, live in a human, sorry, <laughs> humid environment where the crystals may not dry out as easily. I have seen this happen, especially in terracotta pots that have not been sealed. Basically, the crystal sucked away the water from the plant itself, and it was a real effort to find a balance when it came to watering these planters. One of the solutions was to find some moss that I chopped it. Basically, I blended it all up, chopped it all up, and stuck it with a whole heap of yogurt and painted it all mixed up around the terracotta pot sides and with the moss growing on the pots it actually acted as a natural seal to the terracotta outer sides. It took a little bit of effort but we got there in the end. This next con is something that I have to confess worries me when it comes to using these crystals and that is the environmental concerns, right? So some hydrogel crystals are made from non-biodegradable materials, which can be harmful to the environment if they're not disposed of properly. Make sure to use a product that's eco-friendly and safe for your garden. We really do have enough crap already going into the environment, so definitely research the product before you use it. Right, enough with the negative. Another hot tip is to collect rainwater. This is something I already do, even if we're not in a drought. My ex-husband was lifting a pallet of bee boxes off his truck with the hydro lift and he damaged my guttering on the garage. And ever since then, I have a large 200 litre barrel stuck under the kink in the gutter. So when it rains, it fills up and I use it for my house plants, in my garden and for my fish tanks. Not only does it save me money because I have to pay for my, you know, any town water supply I use, but I'm not putting chlorines or other chemicals into my garden environment and often during a drought the roof still collects the morning dew so I still get a bit of water collected in the barrels. If it is a drought you can catch what you you know what you can to so be sure to utilize it by watering plants you know, early in the morning and underneath the foliage as mentioned in the first hot tip. Also make sure that you place sources underneath your pot plants so that no water is wasted when watering. The next hot tip is actually more of a cool tip and that is to use shade cloth. By using shade cloth it protects your plants from the sun and reduces evaporation but it also stops your plants from getting sunburn. It's amazing what a simple shade cloth can do for your garden. It makes sense really. What do you do if you're hot? 
you get in the shade. Same principle applies to your garden. Just remember to move remove the shade cloth once the drought is over but do it slowly because you have the potential to you know you have to potentially harden the plants up again to adjust them back to the sun levels of course I'm going to add in the next hot tip and that is to use compost by adding in compost to your soil it improves its water holding capacity and with the bonus of adding organic matter back into the soil and all the goodies that go with it if you can stick to using compost created from your own garden, that's even better because you're using the microorganisms that are already in your ecosystem. It's kind of less stress on the plants and you're not introducing potentially other pests and diseases. With compost, if it has been processed correctly with a decent heat treatment, then the risk of pests and diseases being harboured in the compost product is slim but not all compost batches are created equal and of course by creating your own compost you're saving a heap of money the next tip is really important and that is to prune regularly i can't stress this one enough prune your plants regularly to remove dead or damaged branches and leaves this will reduce the amount of water the plant needs remember to dispose of prunings properly especially if they are diseased and Keep your pruning gear clean. The next hot tip can take a little while to integrate into the garden and that is to use drought resistant lawn alternatives. Replace your lawn with drought resistant plants like clover, chamomile or thyme. These alternatives require less water and maintenance than traditional grass lawns. I use predominantly kakuya grass which is a creeping perennial hairy mat forming grass and if you let it get away it can grow up all your fences and grow over all your plants. But with a little bit of maintenance, it always looks good, even in a drought. If you're using lawn cloppings for this particular grass species, make sure you compost them down properly. First, because a kakuya grass can grow from even the smallest little node and take over a garden. Another hot tip is to use water from your cooking. So when you're boiling potatoes or steaming vegetables, for example, if you have leftover water in your pots, cool it down and recycle that back into your garden. Not only is this high in nutrients, but obviously it is a source of liquid for your drought-hungry plants. And it all adds up. Obviously, using any aquarium water that you are removing from your tanks when refreshing the fish's water, just be mindful the nitrates in the water can potentially burn sensitive plants. Okay, so now I've covered some seriously hot tips that you can use to beat the drought in your garden. I also want to address some of the signs your plants may exhibit when they are struggling due to the lack of water, not just in a drought situation. Plants are living organisms that require water to survive when they don't receive enough water they can become stressed and start to show signs of drought here are some of the signs that your plants may be struggling you know you might be able to see due to the lack of water when plants are lacking water they lose turgor pressure causing their leaves and stems to wilt another sign of drought stress plants is a change in leaf color leaves may turn yellow or brown or the edges of the leaves may become scorched or dry without enough water plants may not grow as quickly or as large as they should and their growth becomes stunted plants may drop their leaves to conserve water during a drought situation prolonged drought can damage plants roots making it difficult for the plant to absorb water even after it rains a classic example of this are the soldier trees that are planted here in Tapuki Main Street. A number of large New Zealand native trees were planted in the middle of the main street to 
commemorate New Zealand soldiers that fought in the war. So sadly, during one of the droughts, council turned off the water supply that was irrigation, you know, irrigating these absolutely stunning big trees. These trees have a lot of their drip zone replaced with tar seal, and it has a very narrow strip of planted verge that has the capacity to absorb water. In their infinite wisdom, by turning off the irrigation during a time when the trees needed the water, the root damage is reflected in the canopy, with most trees suffering nearly a metre and a half of dieback on the tips of these trees. And the chances of them recovering are slim. These trees are an important symbol for the town, and I believe due to the lack of understanding around drought support for vegetation within councils, it has caused irreparable damage to these trees. If you notice any of these signs in your plants, make sure to water them deeply and regularly to help them recover. It is also a good idea to choose plants that are well suited to your climate and soil type to help prevent drought stress. It's not all bad news. Plants have evolved a variety of adaptations to survive drought conditions. One of the most common adaptations is the ability to reduce water loss through transpiration, the process by which water is lost through the leaves. Plants can do this by reducing the size of their leaves or by producing a waxy coating on the leaves to reduce water loss. Some plants have evolved to only open their stomata, the pores through which the water is lost at night when the humidity is higher. Another adaptation is the ability to store water during times of plenty. Some plants have evolved to store water in specialised tissues like succulents, which have the thick fleshy leaves or stems that can store large amounts of water. Other plants have evolved to store water in their roots or bulbs, allowing them to survive long periods without rainfall. Finally, some plants have developed deeper root systems to access water that is located deep underground. This allows them to access water that is not available to other plants with shallower roots. Overall, plants have evolved a variety of adaptations to survive drought conditions, and these adaptations have allowed them to thrive in some of the harshest environments on Earth. Okay, so now, with all the serious stuff over, I thought I would include two nifty ways you can capture at, at, oh goodness me, atmospheric moisture atmosphere moisture <laughs> in a drought to keep your garden alive as we have identified droughts can be tough on gardens but there are ways to keep your plants alive by capturing this atmosphere moisture one nifty way is to do this by using a technique called dew harvesting this involves placing a collection service like a tarp or a sheet over your garden at night and as the temperature drops moisture in the air condenses on the surface creating Dew drops. In the morning, you can collect these dew drops and use them to water your plants. Another way to capture atmospheric moisture is by installing a fog collector. So, fog collectors are made up of a mesh or netting that captures water drops from fog and condenses them into water. This method is particularly useful in areas with high levels of fog, like coastal regions. And of course, as previously discussed, capturing rainwater in barrels, which is obviously the traditional way of catching water. So let me know if you've got any tricks that you can use to beat droughts in your garden. I'm always interested to know what gardeners use to beat the drought. Now, 
With all this brain dumping, I think I'm going to call it a day. I know this episode is a little bit shorter than normal, but I packed it with heaps and heaps of info. I hope it was helpful and you can take away some serious tips on beating droughts. If you have any gardening questions, please do reach out. I'm going to keep compiling a list and every now and again, I'll do an episode on a bunch of combined questions. Now, Every week I do mention this and don't be shy, let me know if you are needing some private coaching, no matter what level from beginner to experience, reach out and let's chat. I have a few one-on-one gardening mentor spots available, sometimes it really is easier to accomplish a task or project having a gardening mentor and quietly holding you accountable to whatever tasks you set. Flick me a DM or email me and let's check to see how we can work together. My contact details as always are in the show notes, don't forget to email or DM me for any one of my gardening freebies and as always I say gardening can happen in any space and in any place and on any budget have an incredibly abundant week and I'll buzz you later bye thanks for listening to today's episode I would love to hear about your gardening adventures flick me a DM on Instagram at the messed up gardener or send me an email and let's connect don't forget to check out my gardening reels on tiktok If you are looking for some help planning your next garden project or just need some one-on-one private coaching, reach out and let's get growing. If you have a garden-related business or you're looking at starting a gardening business, including arboriculture, land clearing, firewood or a general plant growing and selling business, let's work together in my one-on-one private business development coaching container. Having helped my clients grow several six-figure plus businesses, including from startup to working on million-dollar open space management contracts for many years now. Let me help you and let's grow your business so you can leapfrog your profits and establish a viable and sustainable business. If you're looking for a business podcast, check out my The Let's Buzz You Up podcast available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If this episode was at all helpful, please share with others and let's get growing in any space, in any place and on any budget. Till next time, happy gardening and buzz you later.